Thank you, Kevin, so much for leading us, you and the choir and all of our musicians, and very meaningful and blessed time of worship. We are together in these days studying the life and the times of God's Old Testament prophet Elijah, and we are learning about the power of an obedient life. Elijah was a man of power, and that power came from his commitment, unswerving commitment, to live a life of absolute, unconditional obedience to God. You see, Elijah's obedience wasn't a partial obedience. It wasn't a pick-and-choose kind of obedience. It wasn't a vacillating obedience, obeying here but disobeying there. It wasn't dependent upon his circumstances, his feelings, the prevailing currents of the popular culture. Elijah's obedience was total. It was absolute. It was unswerving, unconditional, all the time, everywhere, no matter what. And that's why God was able to take this man and use his life in an extraordinary way to bring revival and to bring significant change to his nation. And as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, one of the reasons why God was able to use Elijah in the way that he was able to use him is because Elijah was a man of conviction. Elijah knew what he believed, he knew where he stood, and he knew who he served. And so he never wavered from those things, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the risk, regardless of the cost. And so the question that we've been asking over these past couple of weeks is, what is it that made Elijah such a man of rock-ribbed conviction? And more importantly, what will make you and me, men and women, of conviction? Well, there are three truths that we can learn from Elijah's life, and we've already looked at two of them in these past two weeks. Number one, we saw that I can only live a life of conviction when I am totally committed to the person of God. And by that I mean, until you absolutely settle this issue of commitment, (laughs) You're not going to go very far as a believer, let alone see God take your life and use it in the way that he used Elijah's life. Elijah had settled the commitment question. The man was totally committed to God. Verse 21 of 1 Kings 18, we saw where he assembled the nation together there on Mount Carmel, and he asked this question, how long will you waver? Between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. In other words, go all the way with God 
or don't go with God at all, but make up your mind. Make a decision. Make a commitment. Stop trying to have it both ways because that won't work. You've got to make and I've got to make a total commitment to God or we will never be men and women of conviction. That's the first thing. The second thing we saw is that I can only live a life of conviction when I'm totally confident in the power of God. Elijah believed in the power of his God. And that's why last week, as we saw, he could stand there on Mount Carmel and confront the prophets of Baal and call down fire from heaven. It's because he had supreme confidence in the power of his God to come through for him when he was living a life of obedience. Listen, if you don't believe that God is powerful enough to come through for you when you obey him, you will never be a man or a woman of conviction because I promise you, you will never have the guts to do the thing God is telling you to do. You won't have the courage to confront the gods of this age. You won't have the boldness and the grit to do the hard things and the costly things and the risky things that God demands from every single one of us. If you want to be a man or a woman of conviction, you must be totally confident in the power of your God to come through for you when you are living an obedient life before him. But there is a third lesson from Elijah's life, and that is what we're going to look at together this morning. And that lesson tells us this, I can only live a life of conviction when I am totally consumed with the praise of God. I can only live a life of conviction when I am totally consumed with the praise of God. Totally committed to the person of God, number one. Totally confident in the power of God, number two. But you will never be a man or a woman of conviction. I will never be a man of conviction until my life is totally consumed with the praise of God. You see, Elijah was a man who lived for one thing. And that was to glorify God with his life. To bring praise to God with his life. When Elijah went up on Mount Carmel and confronted the prophets of Baal, as we saw last week, when he took his stand, when he issued his challenge, when he called on God to send down that fire from heaven, he did it for one reason and one reason only. The man was consumed with the praise of God. He was obsessed with how his life could bring glory to God. Now, we, we just looked quickly at a couple of verses last week, but I, I want to go back and zero in on them this morning. Verses 36 and 37 of 1 Kings chapter 18. 
This was Elijah's prayer before God sent that fire from heaven. I want you to look at it. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Now, church, there's a lot here. Elijah said, I'm praying. Like the man loved to pray. Then he says, Lord, not only am I praying, but I'm obeying your word. Again, everything I've done, Lord, I've done at your command. Elijah was committed to obedience. But the main thing that Elijah says here in his prayer is this. Lord, look at it. I'm doing this for one reason and one reason only, so that the people will know, O Lord, that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. You see, Elijah lived for one thing. He was consumed with the praise of God. He lived for the glory of God. Now, I want you to listen to something very carefully because I'm going to share a truth with you here this morning. And I don't know of any truth in Scripture that is more important, but I don't know of any truth in Scripture that we have missed more often then we have missed this one, and we ignore it at our eternal peril. Here's the truth. My life is not about what I can get out of it. My life is not about what I can get out of it. My life is about what God can get out of it. We live our lives so often, and we think so often about what am I getting out of this? What can I get out of life? How can I be happy? How can I get the things I want to get? How can I get people to respond to me the way that I want them to respond? Elijah lived his life for what God could get out of his life. If you look at his prayer, he didn't say, Lord, would you send down your fire from heaven to prove that I'm right and they're wrong? God, would you answer my prayer and meet my needs so that they'll think highly of me? Will you do this, God, so that they'll stop persecuting me, so that the king will stop trying to kill me? No, this was not about Elijah. It was about God. Please hear me. God has not saved you and left you on this earth so that you can be glorified, so that people can talk about how great you are, so that people can talk about what a fun person you are, or how many friends you have, or how much stuff you have, or how many people wish they could be like you, or a, what a wonderful life you have. Church, I am here today. You are here today for one reason. And that is to bring glory to God with our lives. It is to bring praise to God with our lives. 
Elijah didn't say, Lord, would you act? Would you move? Would you do something here so that I would look good? He said, no, would you do something, God, so that you would look good, so that the people will know that you're God, so that the people will rejoice in you, so they will glorify you, so they will praise you. Listen, this was the absolute passion of Elijah's life. That ought to be your passion, and it ought to be my passion, and it ought to be the passion of this church, and it ought to be the passion behind every single thing that we do. Let me tell you, a lot of problems would disappear in the church of Jesus Christ if this became our obsession. If we were consumed with how our lives could bring praise to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, one of these cardinal, foundational principles of the Christian life. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Do it for the praise of God. Everything we do, church, in our homes, at work, at school, in our private lives, in our public lives, in our social lives, in our financial lives, in everything that we do, we should do it, Paul says, with this one grand purpose in mind, that God would be glorified through us, that God would be praised because of us, that God would look good in the eyes of a cynical, unbelieving world. That means that everything we say and Every word we speak and every action we take, every goal we set, every priority we establish, every relationship we enter into ought to be measured by this one great standard. Will this make God look good? Will this bring praise to Him? Will this bring honor to Him? Will this cause people around me to lift their eyes toward Him? That's the issue. So many things we do and say and ways we act cause cause people to turn their eyes away from God. When Elijah prayed his prayer and when God answered that prayer by sending fire from heaven, I want you to look at what happened here, verses 38 and 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil. We looked at all this last week and licked up the water in the trench. but, But look what happened next. When all the people saw this, what happened? They fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This was not about Elijah. This was all about God. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. You should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Church, this is, this is why we are here. God has saved us. He has forgiven us. He has given us eternal life and left us here on earth so that when the people of this world look at us, when they see the way we live our lives, when they see the way we act and react and hear the way we speak, they will want what we've got. 
Because what they see is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means our passion must be the glory of God. That means we must be consumed with the praise of God. Is that your passion? Is that what consumes you every single day as you live your life? Until it is, listen, you'll never be a man or a woman of conviction because you can only live a life of conviction when you are totally consumed with how your life can bring praise and glory to God. And when you get to that point, my friend, it changes everything. It changes everything. Now, why is this so important? What difference does it really make when you're consumed with the praise of God? You say, well, preacher, that, you know, that sounds awfully spiritual, but what does that really mean? What difference does it really make? Well, let me show you what happens when you and I become totally consumed with the praise of God. Three things here that are highly significant. Number one, when I become consumed with the praise of God, then God can take my life and He can use me as a spiritual deterrent to sin. He can take my life and use it and make me a spiritual deterrent to sin. That's how God used Elijah. God took Elijah's life and his witness and his testimony and his convictions. And those things became the mirror God used to reflect the sins of the nation of Israel back to the people so that they could see them and realize what they had been doing. In other words, when God sent down fire from heaven and the prophets of Baal were defeated on Mount Carmel, the people began to finally see clearly that the Lord was God and they began to deal with their sin. Verse 40, not a very pleasant verse to read. But it tells us that the people seized the prophets of Baal and they took them out to the Kishon Valley and they killed them, all of them. The NIV says they slaughtered them. Now that may sound cruel. But these prophets of Baal had been like a cancer in the nation of Israel. They had been destroying the spiritual fiber of the nation. And so like a good surgeon, Elijah leads the people to do what they should have done years before, and that was to get rid of every single cancer cell so that they couldn't pop up again somewhere else and begin to destroy the nation again. The people began to deal with their sin problem. But it was Elijah's life. It was Elijah's testimony. It was his example. It was his conviction that led the way. And hear me, God wants you and God wants me to be that kind of spiritual deterrent to sin in this generation. But that will never happen until you and I are consumed 
with the praise of God, that everything we do and say is motivated by the passion to bring glory to God. I want to tell you up front, this is not popular work. It is not easy work. It is not what the crowd does. But do you understand this morning that we are not supposed to be like the crowd? Do you understand that we are supposed to be different and we are supposed to make a difference? I believe you ought to be excited about that. I believe you ought to be excited about the difference God's Word says we can make if our lives become consumed with the praise of God. You can make a difference among your generation. Hey, you can make a difference in the kind of world your children and your grandchildren are going to grow up in. You can. You can be that kind of spiritual deterrent to sin. You can have that kind of impact on your culture and your society. And I don't know of anything we need more today than that. So when I become consumed with the praise of God, God can take my life and he can use it to open the eyes of the people around me to their sin and he can use me as a spiritual deterrent. There's a second thing when I'm consumed with the praise of God. God can take my life and he can give me a deeper level of spiritual discernment. He can give me a deeper level of spiritual discernment. In other words, when I become consumed with the praise of God, I'll be able to to see God in ways I've never seen God before. And I'll I'll begin to hear from God in ways that I've never heard from Him before. And I'll begin to sense God and what He's doing in my life and what He's doing in the world when other people, church, don't have a clue. Look with me here at Verse 41, it says, Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Now remember, there has been no rain in Israel for three and a half years now. Back in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we saw where Elijah had come to Ahab and said, Ahab, because of your sins and the sins of this nation, there will be no more dew nor rain in the land except at my word. And it had stopped raining. The heavens had closed. But now, finally, Baal has been dealt with. Sin has been dealt with. And God is about to send the rain again after a three-and-a-half-year drought. So Elijah says, Ahab... It's time to celebrate. The drought is over. I hear the rain a-coming. Now, here's the exciting thing. When Elijah said, I hear the sound of a heavy rain, church, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. The sun was shining. The drought was still going on. Look down here at verse 43. You'll see that after Elijah told Ahab about the rain, after he said, I I, I hear the sound of this heavy rain, 
He said to his servant, Elijah did, go and look toward the sea. That's where the rains came from. Go and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he came back and he said, there's nothing there. In other words, Elijah, I'm sorry, I've gone and I've looked. There's nothing there. Same burning sun, same cloudless sky, no relief in sight, nothing. But Elijah said, I hear the rain. It's coming. I know it's coming because I hear it. Listen to me, church. When you are in touch with God, when you are in touch with God, when you are living for God, when you are serving God, when you are consumed with the praise of God, God will let you hear things other people will never hear. He will make you aware of things other people never notice. He will enable you to discern things other people cannot even fathom. And I have to tell you, I look around me today, and I see so many of God's people living defeated lives, living frustrated lives, living mediocre and mundane and monotonous Christian lives, limping from one crisis to another, one disaster to another, and they say, Preacher, I can't seem to get a word from the Lord. Let me tell you why. Many times we can't get a word from the Lord. It's because we're living lives of convenience, not lives of conviction. It's because we're consumed with our own pleasure and what we want and what we like instead of being consumed with the praise of God. Hear me, church. God speaks. God directs. He gives spiritual discernment to those who are sold out to him, who are totally consumed with the praise of God. One final thing this morning. When I'm consumed with the praise of God, God can not only take my life and use me as a spiritual deterrent to sin, not only will he take my life and give me a deeper level of spiritual discernment, but God can take my life and give me a new spiritual dynamic, a new spiritual power. I want you to look at verse 44. Because this is exciting. Now, if you look back up in verse 43, we looked at it a minute ago. How many times did Elijah go tell his servant to look out toward the sea? Seven times, right? First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Third, fourth, fifth, six times, the man saw nothing. But finally, look at this. The seventh time, the servant comes back and he says, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute. There, there's, there's, there's a cloud out there. Now, not much of a cloud. It's really small. No bigger than a man's hand, but it's out there. And so Elijah says in verse 44, Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, tell Ahab to to get his horse saddled up and get off this mountain before the rain comes, or he won't be able to get off this mountain. There's going to be a doozy of a storm. Now, you know what most of us would have said? Most of us would have said, yeah, right, wait a minute, what are you talking about a doozy of a storm? Ain't no little man's hand-sized cloud going to bring a big storm like that. You're crazy. 
Ah, but remember, Elijah had this deep level of spiritual discernment because he was consumed with the praise of God. So what does verse 45 say? Verse 45 says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now, there's a lot we could say here, but here's, here's the thing I want you to see. Ahab was gone in his chariot. Said, man, I'm not getting caught in this storm. I'm out of here, right? But Elijah was still up on the mountain. He needed to get out of there too. I mean, nobody needs to be on the top of a mountain when a big storm comes up. So Elijah needed to get going. He didn't have any way to get out of there. Look at verse 46. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Church, the man became a sprinter. <laughs> Do you know how far it is from Mount Carmel to Jezreel? It's 25 miles. The man runs a marathon. Now, you, you got to picture this. The king is riding in a fast chariot. He's gone. God says, Elijah, take your cloak, tuck it into your belt, and run, boy, run. So here's Ahab in his chariot galloping along as fast as horses can take him. Here comes Elijah on foot and passes him. Whoosh, see you in that Jezreel, Ahab. And beats him there on foot. For 25 miles, the man outruns a horse. You say, preacher, there you go again. That Old Testament stuff. No, no. This works every time. Isaiah 40, 31, I love the Passion Translation. But those who wait on Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. Whew. Don't you want to be part of that? God can do that for you, but only if you're passionate about His glory, only if you're consumed with His praise. Let me tell you, when you're totally consumed with the praise of God, God can take a bad situation in your life and he can give you a new energy. He can put a new move in your walk. He can put a new strut in your step, a new vitality in your soul, a new dynamic in your life. He'll give you a new energy and a new strength and a new stamina to deal with the things that you otherwise would never be able to deal with to find victory over things that would otherwise defeat you, overcome obstacles that would otherwise impede you, rise above circumstances that would otherwise overwhelm you. But only if you're an Elijah kind of person. You say, preacher, I, I can't be like that. I, I don't have what it takes to be that kind of person for my generation, I, I just can't do what this requires. Yes, you can. 
I will remind you today of what I reminded you of last Sunday. James chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. Wasn't a superman. He was just a man, just like you, just like me. The difference? He was a man of conviction. Totally committed to the person of God. Totally confident in the power of God. Totally consumed with the praise of God. And so God took his life and he used it as a vehicle for the miraculous. God can do that for you. God can do that for me if we're Elijah kind of people. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we're grateful for the way it speaks to us. God, the secret, the, 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 the key that unlocks the door to every great thing you want to do is found in, in the things that we've looked at over these past three weeks. It's what will make a difference in our lives. It's what will make a difference in our church. It's what will make a difference through us and our community and our nation and among the nations. Oh, help us, God, to be Elijah kind of people, men and women of conviction, totally committed to your person, totally confident in your power, totally consumed above all else with your praise in our lives and in our world. Forgive us, Father, when we have been satisfied with the mediocre and the mundane and the monotonous, when we've shrugged our shoulders and we've said in our hearts, God, you could never use me like that. The only difference between some of the great saints of God that we see in Scripture and us is our commitment to obedience. It is that we too often are not men and women of conviction. So help us, Lord, today to make decisions that would begin to make difference in us. Because you can never use us out there until you can do something in us in here. And may we allow you, Lord, the freedom to do that this morning. Thank you for this time of commitment and reflection. May your spirit move in the hearts of your people is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join me in standing. We're going to sing this little chorus, Change My Heart, O God. May I be like you. If you need to respond, these altars are open. I'm here. I'll be glad to pray with you as we sing. As Kevin leads us, you come.